Welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Crystal Guayco, and I will be your host for the day. Thank you so much for joining us. We are taught from an early age to monitor our behavior. This keeps us out of trouble and helps us in our personal and professional relationships. But is that the goal? Just behave well. Stay out of trouble. Jesus was interested in more than your behavior. In fact, he invites us to take monitoring a step further. Jesus' main focus is your heart, the heart. That is what matters. That is what needs monitoring. What is going on in your heart? In our message series, The Struggle is Real, we are going straight to the heart. What is happening in your heart? What is controlling your heart? As always, our hope is that this message will take you to your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. Last week, I shared this quote with you. It says this, if you don't deal with your demons... They, they go into the cellar of your soul and they lift weights. If you don't deal with your demons, they go into the cellar of your heart, into your core, and they lift weights. Today we're in part five and, and the final part of a conversation that we're calling The Struggle is Real. And, and the subtitle for this is how, how to Say No to the Emotions that Compete for Control. And it's really all about what's happening inside of you. It's all about what's happening in your heart. Now, this whole entire conversation, this message series, is built around a conversation that Jesus had. And Matthew, who recorded it, he was there, he was an eyewitness, he recorded it in Matthew chapter 15. And in fact, the, the painting here behind me is done by our local Miami artist, Kiki Valdez. And, and Kiki took inspiration. He, he just read the passage over and over and over. And he created this painting. You can see here, that it depicts the story. These, these religious leaders, they, they come uh, to, from Jerusalem up to Galilee. And they come and they want to talk to Jesus. And they're so concerned about behaviors. They've got all these oral traditions and laws. And, and they're so concerned about the washing hands and how you do things. And, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, listen, guys. It's not about all these behaviors. It's not about keeping all these rules. It's about your heart. It's about what's going on in your heart. I mean, look what he says in verse 17. He says, don't you see? Again, he's, he's talking to, to, to these religious leaders, his disciples. Or he says, don't you see that, that everything that goes into the mouth, everything you eat, it goes in the stomach and then comes out. Like, okay, we get that, Jesus. I see that literally a couple times a day. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from where? They come from the heart. They come from inside, inside of, of me, inside of you, from the heart. And look what Jesus says. These things, these things that come from the heart, he says, those are the things that make someone unclean. Another word is to defile. Defile was this idea of being put at odds with, with God or someone else. In fact, Kiki, when he named this painting, he called it defilement comes from within, from the heart. 
And the big idea what Jesus is, is trying to communicate to these guys is, listen, you guys are so concerned about these behaviors and these rules and all, keeping all of these things. He says, but I, what I really care about is your heart. I really care about what's going on inside of you. See, your heart is showing. Your heart is leaking. In fact, your heart is leaking onto the people around you every single day. The people around you are experiencing the overflow of your heart every single day. Jesus says, it's, it's, it's inside of you. These are the things. And he says, evil thoughts come out where? From a person's heart. Murder and adultery, sexual sins and stealing and false witness and telling lies about others and greed and anger and insecurity and envy and arrogance. These things, these actions, these behaviors, they come from where? The heart. And Jesus says, those are the things that make you unclean. Those are the things that defile you. Those are the things that put you at odds with others and with God. But eating without washing your hands, I'm worried about the heart. You know, uh, earlier in this message series, we used this illustration, right? We talked about, hey, what determines what comes out of this, right? So if I tilt this or if I tripped and I spilled this or if I poured this out, what determines what's going to come out? What's already in there. What's already in there determines what comes out. And that's the same with you and it's the same with me. And Jesus is saying, hey, when the pressures of life, when stress when uncertainty, when the unknown, when all of these things start building, what's going to come out of you? What's already in there? What comes out is what's already in there. And that's why Jesus is so concerned about your heart, what's inside of you. In fact, the Old Testament Proverbs says it this way. Solomon wrote, he said, hey, above all else, Guard your heart. Look what he says. For everything you do flows from it. He's saying, hey, guard your heart because what's in here will eventually make its way out. It's going to come out. And that's true of you. And that's true of you. What's in your heart spills out and it spills out on the people around you. And so Solomon says, guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. And here's the thing about guarding your heart. There's kind of two parts to this, right? Guarding your heart involves cleaning out. So you're cleaning out toxins as well as keeping them out. So, right, there's a cleaning that happens, right? There's some hard work of cleaning out, but there's also a, a, a protection of, of keeping out. And this is hard work. This is important work. This, this, is, this is the challenge. This is critical for you and me, and this is been the challenge that we've been on these past few weeks. Now, today, and, and again, the final part, part, part five, I, I want to talk about this word, fear. 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 Nobody wants fear to control them. I don't want fear to control me. See, fear robs us of opportunities. I see this all the time. I, I see so many talented people who have so many opportunities ahead of them. And, and I'll invite them into something or they'll be asked to do something and they'll, they'll back away. Why? Because of fear. It robs them of an opportunity. 
Fear interferes in our relationships. It keeps us awake at night. But here's what's interesting about fear. Fear is actually a byproduct of something good. Look, look at this. Fear is the byproduct of our ability to accumulate knowledge and project it into the future, right? I mean, fear is actually one of God's greatest gifts. It gives us the ability to imagine and, and, to, and to hope and to dream. I mean, with, without it, we, we couldn't look forward and plan anything. Our ability to, to imagine and to dream has, has more upside than it does downside, but it creates the potential for fear because it creates the question of, well, what if? What if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what if I fall? Or what if I fail? Or what if I... See, fear is not always a bad thing. I mean, I mean a few years ago, I, I traveled with a friend to the Grand Canyon. And if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, it, I think what's shocking about it is there's this massive canyon. And, and there's not like there's a rail around anything. I mean, you can literally walk up to the edge and you can look down and you can just, it's just like... And so fear, right? Fear kept me from getting too close to the edge. That's a good thing. I didn't want to fall in. I wanted to be alive. And so fear kept me from getting... So, so fear is not always a bad thing, but you don't want fear to control you. See, fear puts you off balance. Here's what fear does. It, 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 makes, it makes you distracted. It, it, it makes you protected. It, it, fear just causes us to be self-absorbed. And Jesus said a lot about fear. He said, he said, fear not or do not be afraid. In fact, he said, fear not or do not be afraid is the most repeated command all throughout Scripture. Right? So Jesus said, hey, fear not. And you're like, okay, got it. <laughs> Don't you just wish it was that easy? It's like, it's easy to say, fear not. It's almost impossible to do. But here's the thing about fear. You're, you're not alone. I'm not alone when it comes to fear. In fact, Jesus, with his followers, uh, I love this because Jesus sets up an example. Instead of giving a sermon, Jesus sets up uh, an illustration about fear. And Matthew, again, follower of Jesus who was there, eyewitness, records this for us in Matthew chapter 8. Look what he says. He says, Matthew 8, beginning verse 23, he says, Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Now, if you're new to the Bible, he had these 12 guys who were his disciples. They were his followers that he poured his life into. And so these are who he's talking about. And says this, Matthew says that suddenly a, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking over or into the boat. I love this line. But Jesus was sleepy. And then it says, uh, Matthew says, the disciples went and they woke Jesus up and they're shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus responds, verse 26, why are you afraid? Why do you have so little faith? Does that seem like a dumb question? What do you mean, why am I afraid? We're in a fearless storm. Right? The waves are crashing over the boat. There's water in the boat. The boat is going down. And when the boat goes down, we're going down and we're going to drown and die. What do you mean, why am I afraid? See, Jesus is, is teaching them about fear. And instead of just giving them a lecture or, or a sermon, he, he's actually creating this experience. And look what he does. Matthew tells us that 
He got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. By the way, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Notice how in the midst of the storm, there is peace. And the source of peace. He's the, the author of peace. I, I just think it's interesting to notice. Just, just Again, I think Jesus is... It's demonstrating. He's showing, right? Instead of going, oh, you should do this. He's going, look, watch. Like, notice, he, he just gets up. Matthew recorded, there's no panic. There's no alarm. He doesn't, you know, like, he's not frazzled. He just gets up. See, this is what he wants you to see. He, he, he's calm. He modeled how to, how to handle fear. And I love the response as Matthew records it in verse 27. He says, the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They ask. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And they ask a question. And this is a question that every single one of us has to, to ask and answer at some point in our life. I mean, we have to do this. Who is this man? I mean, at some point in your life, you have to ask this, like, who is Jesus? Who do I think he is? You know, this is one of many stories where, where the disciples were afraid. I mean, there was tons of, of, of these. In fact, if you study the life of Jesus, if you read the Gospels, these four accounts of the life of Jesus, there's a message that Jesus continues to, to say. And the message looks something like this. He says, hey, as long as I'm here, there's no need to follow your fear, even if there's reason to be afraid. He says, hey, as long as I'm here... There's no need to follow your fear, even when there's something to be afraid of. And Jesus taught this over and over and over. And, and I think what's interesting, and this, this, is, this is comforting for me as, as someone who tries to teach uh, and to be faithful to God's word and try to teach week in and week out. And sometimes I get frustrated. Like, is anybody listening? Does anybody pay attention? Or I'll teach them something and then somebody will go do the complete opposite. It's like, ah. Oh. Right? But here's what, what's interesting is, is Jesus taught this over and over and over, but it didn't work. It didn't stick. Those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you'll remember that, that Jesus gets arrested. And Peter, who is one of the followers of Jesus, like he's been following Jesus for years. Okay? He has seen amazing things. He's seen miracles. He's seen healing. He's seen amazing things. And so he's been following Jesus for years. And Jesus has always delivered. Jesus has always done what he said he's going to do. And so Jesus gets arrested. And Peter kind of follows him in. And, and the story goes, and again, Matthew tells us about this in Matthew 26. He says that Peter is there in the courtyard. And on three occasions, Peter is kind of, you know, he's kind of hiding, kind of staying low key. On three occasions, he's asked, hey, you're one of Jesus's followers. Like you're one of his guys. And on three occasions, he denies it. He curses. He, he's angry. On three occasions, he's overcome with fear. In fact, he's overcome with fear, and then he runs away. He's thinking, I, hey, if they got him, they can certainly get me. But then something happened. There's a, there's a hinge point. There's a, there's a shift. Because if you fast forward ahead... You, you look at Peter, the same guy, the same guy that was on the boat, that was scared for his life, the same guy that, that when someone asked him, hey, you're a follower, did no, not me, I'm not a follower of Jesus, the same guy. In Acts chapter 4, Luke tells us that Peter and John, they were talking about Jesus. 
And the religious leaders, they, they didn't like it. And so they, they arrested them and they, they put them in jail. And they, they stayed overnight in jail. And then they, the next morning, they bring Peter and John before the council, before these religious leaders, some of these guys that Kiki depicted here. They bring them before this council and they're like, hey, by whose name and in what power are you doing all of this? You're healing people. You're proclaiming. By whose name? What are you doing? And Peter, the same Peter that was in the boat, that was afraid for his life, the same Peter, when confronted with a real simple question, are you one of his followers? No, 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 I mean, no, no, no. The same Peter, Acts 4, he stands up in front of this council, in front of all of these people, and he stands there in front of them. And he boldly declares the name of Jesus. In fact, look how Luke records this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This council, these, these religious leaders, says, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They hadn't had any special training. They had gone to a special school. He says they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I mean, what happened? I mean, why the change? I mean, why the, the scared in the boat denial Peter to all of a sudden now? Here is Peter Standing in front of them and, and with courage and boldness and unashamed declaring the name of Jesus. How did he go from overcome with fear to bold? The resurrection. The resurrection. See, Jesus, see, Peter, he saw Jesus killed on a cross. He saw him put on a cross. He saw Jesus taken off the cross, put into a tomb. And then, three days later, Peter saw him alive. And, and this, was, this was a big deal for followers of Jesus. See, Jesus' resurrection, it punctuated everything that he taught and said about himself. See, things that, that made no sense before the resurrection, now they made perfect sense. Especially when he started talking about fear. See, for us, those of us in Western church, those of us here in the United States... Those of us here in Latin America, right? It's like, oh, yeah, the, the resurrection. Yeah, that's Easter. We celebrate that in the spring. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the, that's the day we kind of show up. We dress up. I'm going to get my Easter clothes. But, but for the first century followers of Jesus, for, for Peter, for John, for, for, for those disciples, the resurrection was everything. It was their source of courage. It was their source of passion. It was their source of strength. It was their source of boldness. See, Jesus' resurrection validated every single thing that he said about himself. It proved that he could be trusted. He is who he says he is. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. He did what he said he was going to do. And stuff that didn't make sense before makes sense now. See, the world was still a scary place. But... But, but they no longer needed to be afraid. And they came out of hiding. And they quit running. And they faced down the very men who had arrested and, and beaten and crucified Jesus. And then these guys, these ordinary unschooled men and women, they changed the world. See, fear not. Don't be afraid change the world and I'm standing here in Miami Florida 
2,000 years later because of fear not. Because these men and these women saw Jesus die and they saw him alive. And when they saw him alive, they knew that he was who he says he was. And they wrote about it and they talked about it and they told as many people as they could about it. And because of them, because of their boldness, because of their courage, because of their faith, I'm standing here today. Fear not. Change the world. If Jesus really rose from the dead. And by the way, the whole thing banks on this, friends. If you're a follower of Jesus, your entire faith hinges on the fact that Jesus literally, physically rose from the dead. And I believe the evidence is overwhelming. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I believe you need to give this serious consideration. You need, you need to see that the response of the, the eyewitnesses of the followers pre and post. The way they responded pre-death, pre-resurrection... Versus the way they responded once they had seen Jesus alive. They gave their very life for what they believed. And so here's Peter. Peter who, who failed on the boat ride. Peter who, who, who panicked during Jesus' arrest. This is Peter who lied when he was questioned. Hey, are you one of his followers? Oh no, not me, not me. And then he ran and hid. Years after the resurrection. Here's what he wrote to people like you and me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says, hey, give all your worries and cares to God. Give all your anxiety. Give all your fear. Give all your problems. Give all your trouble. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Maybe you've heard it this way. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The meaning here is, is literally to transfer all of your worry to him. To transfer, to pick it up, to take it off of you, and to literally place it on him. The fear, you will not control me. I, I, already, have, I already have a boss. He, he wants to be in control. And he conquered life. He conquered death. He is who he claimed to be. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of all of my trust. See, the life of Jesus is an invitation and a promise. It's an invitation to follow and fear not, even when there's something to be afraid of. So church, there's a lot to be afraid of. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unknown. What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next month? What's going to happen next year? Is the virus going to come back? Is it? I don't know. There's a lot to be afraid of. But Jesus, he says, hey, follow me. I'm inviting you to follow me and fear not, even when there's something to be afraid of. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at miamichurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. 